Welcome to Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. And if you like the show, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it. Mostly, just tell somebody else about this. We'd really appreciate it if you share the show. Yes, absolutely. Um, and of course, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by the wonderful and amazing folks at Jaspers. Always brought to you by Jaspers. That's right. Still and always and forever, Jaspers. As long as they want to. <laughs> Here on Lamestream Sports. Please keep uh, writing those texts. Please, please keep telling us that you like what we're doing. Uh, we do really appreciate it. The parking is free. The food is amazing. The game room is also free and amazing. There's a patio. There's a bar. There's a restaurant. There's a game room. It's sort of this all one-stop shop for like entertainment and fun and it's a great place to watch a sporting event it's a great place to get a cocktail great place to go to dinner great place to go to lunch just a great all-around place steve um you can go again park for free it's a pretty big one there in in uh, nashville overland west end so go check out jaspers and if you go make sure you tag them take a little picture of your food tag tag everybody in it tag uh tag 440 sports tag jaspers make sure they let let them know that you came by and you said hello so um go to jaspers everybody okay Kevin Ingram is our guest on the show today, and I've wanted to have him on, Steve, to talk about all the stuff he's been doing since the wake-up zone um, left the air in August of 2020. He's now working for Learfield with Vanderbilt. There's a lot of stuff to talk about with him. We did not talk about any of that today with him because Mark Howard, longtime broadcaster here in Nashville, both on TV and radio, passed away over the weekend, uh, 65 years old on Sunday, and it it, it just... Steve, I'm not sure how many people have had as long a career. And Kevin's going to do a great job sort of giving us some personality background and sort of what it was like to work with him and what what he taught him in broadcasting. But I just there's not many people, Steve, that have had the longevity of career that that Mark Howard had in this market. No, uh, Mark, uh, Mark. uh, So when so when I started uh, at the Nashville Banner in 1983, uh, one of the things that uh, one of the things I ended up doing was writing a sports media column kind of every week. And Mark ended up being like one of the guys I would call every now and then just to check in with, see how it was going, because he was the number two guy at Channel Five. Hope Hines was the number one. And then uh, and then he was the he, he was the, the number two weekends sort of guy and kind of sent, sent out in the field a lot. Uh, and Mark was always, Mark was always great, you know, always good to, you know, sort of shoot the shit with, uh, and, you know, even when I came back to town in 2011, uh, I'd run into him from time to time, just, just always, uh, it, it was, it was a very sharp guy, very, uh, always liked, uh, to talk about the media and the business, uh, which is something that I just sort of always ate up and was just, was just a very nice, uh, human being with me always. And I always, I always, you know really respected that. So I didn't really get into quote unquote, like local Nashville media until 2016. And so, so I, I, I had listened to him and Kevin in the wake up zone. And I had, especially during baseball season as, as two people, Kevin and Mark and Kevin will talk a lot about his love of baseball, but just two people that I have more respect for listening to a baseball conversation than almost anybody else I've ever been around. I'd always listen to their baseball interviews. And it was, a that, that was sort of my only, real interaction with with him and the only thing i can say again i didn't know him very well the only thing i can say is that the only time i spent in local nashville media while he was still on the wake up zone we were direct competitors so i was hosting on the other channel every morning opposite of him and every time we saw each other whether it was a press box sort of fleeting moments where you pass by somebody cuz you're all in the same profession right 
Um, he still had a smile and a kind word. We could be direct competitors and he could say, Hey, you know, Hey Braden, how you doing? And then that was it. Like it wasn't a deep conversation. I'm not claiming to have known him very well, but, um, there's not, not every media market direct morning show competitors are cordial enough to just say hello to each other. You know what I mean? Like that, that always sort of, I, I didn't have to have tension around that kind of interaction and he always made it real easy. And I think most everybody, uh, that's ever interacted with him has, sort of echo those sentiments. And I think Kevin uh, will do a great job as well. So uh, not a whole lot of storytelling from those, from you and I here, Steve, I think we'd let, we'll let Kevin do a lot of the work because he worked with them for the better part of 15 years. He explained all the things that he learned from him covering big topics, uh, how the show evolved, working with Frank, some of his favorite moments. Um, and of course, what he meant to him uh, off the air, so to speak. So uh, without any more from you and me, Steve, let's uh, let's talk with Kevin Ingram, Mark Howard's co-host on the Wake Up Zone for almost 15 years. Uh, Kevin, first of all, we are sorry uh, for your loss, my friend, but uh, we really appreciate you taking some time to join us and sort of tell some stories today. So uh, obviously we were grateful and, and thank you for joining the show today. We appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, Braden. Uh, glad to be here. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you asking me. Uh, sad news, uh, losing Mark the other day, but, uh, it's been nice and kind of helped me really to, to talk about him and some of the fun times we've had. So l let's go back. Can you take people back? Because obviously he had a, a, a long career before even you guys started working together, but just take people back to like the very first, very first episode of the wake up zone. The first time you guys sit down to do that show. Um, do you have any memories of what that very first show was like when, the two of you and and I, I guess Frank would have been there too, right? Where, where you guys sit down and you and you do this show, yeah, and, right. You know, no idea that it's going to last as long as it does. But what memories do you have from that first show? Yeah, man, it's been a long time ago. That was back in two thousand four, and uh, we actually the first thing I remember about doing that show was uh, we we all met at Nashville at the old Nashville in Midtown, and we all sat down and uh, with, with Paul Bible, our, our Bible, our producer and our program director, I believe was was there too at the time, and. Uh, we just kind of talk about what the show and what it was going to be like. And then then we actually went in there and did it for the first time. And uh, it, it was a three-hour show to start, turned into a four-hour show after that. But um, I, I think we knew pretty early on that we had pretty good chemistry. And uh, we, we it, it took a little while to figure out what everybody's roles were. I was always sort of the, you know, the, the moderator, the traffic cop, or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and, you know, Frank and Mark, I just sat back and, and let them do their thing a whole, excuse me, a whole lot of the time. And, uh, and it, it, it really worked out well. And it, it, it just evolved over the years. And, and uh, I, I think it got funnier. It got more informative. And uh, everybody kind of understood what they were there for as, as years went by. And we added some uh, characters to the mix, too, and then some great guests along the way. But, hey, I think we knew pretty early that we were going to have uh, something that, that people enjoyed hearing. And I had thought for years that Nashville needed a strong morning sports talk show. I always thought that that would work and uh, to have the chance to kind of uh, being on the on the front end of, of that particular show is really special. Most people knew at 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 that point knew Mark for for TV because he'd been he'd been on Channel Five for a long time. I mean that's I mean I I think I think he came in like eighty five or eighty six uh, to to Channel Five. Mm -hmm. uh, did did you, it, he was but he was such a he was such a good radio guy and 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 good at good at jumping in on issues he had he had, he had a pretty deep knowledge on a lot of topics uh had a few specialties uh what what do you think what do you think that that mark was going to bring to the to the to the show there at the very beginning 
Yeah, Steve, I, I think, uh, well, I mean, Mark had done quite a bit of talk radio right. know, around Nashville. He's actually, he's actually doing a, a political talk show before uh, it flipped over to sports. But uh, I, I think doing a sports talk show is something he had always wanted to do. But it is just vast knowledge of sports, for one thing. I mean, the guy was just an encyclopedia of sports. But also his, his reporting skills that he had from, from all those years of being a reporter, uh, he'd done a little bit of everything. He'd done play-by-play and uh, you know, hosted shows and everything over the years. But I, I think those things and just his knowledge of the local sports scene, and uh, he had been around Nashville long enough to see how it had really changed you know, from becoming from a college sports town to becoming a big-time pro sports town. And he had, he had been right in the middle of all those, you know, the arrival of the Predators and the, and the Titans coming to town. and. You know, even before that, when there were flirtations with teams from other places possibly coming to Nashville, he had seen all that. I think it was New Jersey Devils uh, were one of them. They were, they were potentially coming to Nashville at one point, ended up staying in New Jersey, but Mark covered all that stuff. So he had that perspective of somebody who had been around a long time covering the pro sports scene as it evolved and obviously covering uh, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and the, the college sports scene around town. But, yeah, just lots of different facets to uh, what he could do, and it was just a really versatile guy. He knew a lot of stuff. So one of the weird things about our, our jobs in our industry is just how public facing everything is. And so when, you know, like, I, you know, when my show gets canceled or fired, my wife has to explain it to like people in her mm-hmm. office. It's just sort of like part of the job. And what type of off air personality was Mark Howard? He had been, you know, there's so many stories out there, but but I want to get your perspective on did he keep things to himself? It, you know, just explain the, the difference between on air Mark and sort of off air Mark. <laughs> I don't know that there was that big of a difference between on-air Mark and off-air Mark. Uh, you know, we, we we talk all the time, even after the, the show ended a couple of years ago. I mean, we still talked at least you know once either every week or every other week and text it all the time. But yeah, Mark off the air. I mean, he, he just wants to talk sports all the time and he loved to watch TV and movies. And so, I mean, he was always up to date on everything that was going on. One of the things that I appreciated about Mark all the way to the end is he always was in the know. He knew what was going on around town, whether it was the teams or media people or whatever, he always seemed to have some scoop, even right up to just, you know, the last time I talked to him, but yeah, off the air, you know, he, he was, he was basically the same person on and off the air. He's, you know, he is one of those people that uh, if he called you on the phone, there wasn't a whole lot of pleasantries. There wasn't a lot of chit chat. And it was kind of this before you got into the meat of whatever the conversation was going to be, you just went straight into it. And it was always that way on the, on the morning show too. Uh, Frank and I was kind of a running joke for me and Frank over the years that you know when we started the show at six o'clock and we want to come on and say hey you know how's it going what's what's happening now today Mark man it's 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 right into it man we're we're going straight into sports talk and uh, <laughs> and, and and the news of the day but yeah I, I would say Mark on and off the air was 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 very similar now he can you know he can be tough on callers and things sometimes but I, I, a lot of it was for show too I mean you know the arguments and everything with, with him and Frank or him and Blaine or Kaharski or whoever. I always compared it to pro wrestling. When it was over, it was over. Like when the show was over, it, it, you know, you go get something to eat. Uh, you know, pro wrestling, they hit each other over chairs and they go, you know, uh, get on the same plane to go to the next town. And that, that's always kind of how I viewed it with our show. What, what, uh, you just, you just brought this up and there was something I was going to ask was uh, he didn't necessarily suffer, uh, uh, bad calls very well. Uh, and it was always like one of the more entertaining <laughs> things was somebody would come in and say something just kind of, just kind of boneheaded. And he would be like, nah, that's not going to happen. Or, or just kind of just, just, just kind of, just, just cut it off. Do you have any, do you have any, uh, do you have any caller memories? Do you have any, uh, you have any, uh, anything in particular? 
Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I mean, there, there are a lot of them where he, he would just cut somebody off. And I think there was a caller one time they called him Marcus Interruptus, which I, I thought was pretty funny. And I think it was not only callers, but, but you know, Frank and me. There was one time, I, I don't even remember what we were talking about. And, and, he, and he, he said something about soccer moms. And that, that you know, then that became a running thing. It was like, Mark, we got a, we got a, a couple of mini bands of soccer moms out in the parking lot waiting for you when the show's over. Uh, but yeah, it was, he, he, uh, yeah, he liked to, he liked to mix it up with the callers. No question about that. Uh, but yeah, there, there are lots of them over the years where, and I, and I think he softened a little bit as we went along with the show uh, as far as like how he interacted with callers, but yeah, he didn't, he didn't uh, suffer fools very much, and uh, if he if he heard somebody say something he thought was ridiculous, he wasn't afraid to cut him off and and tell him uh, what he how he felt about what they had to say. You've been a, a broadcaster for a long time in a lot of different ways and a lot of different roles. What what did you learn that you still think you use today from your time working with Mark Howard? Uh, I think one thing I really learned from Mark is to be be direct when you're doing interviews. Uh, there, there wasn't a lot of beating around the bush as far as, he, and, I, and he even said this lots of times to me or to other people off the air, J- just just ask the question. And, and that, that kind of uh, resonates with me even now. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to big, be a big lead in or, you know, don't, don't ask and answer your own question. Just ask the question, be direct. And, uh, you know, people are not going to like the question sometimes, but, uh, you know, a, a lot of times that, that's the best way to get an answer. Uh, I, I think... One of the things I really appreciated about Mark, too, was how fearless he was about tackling uncomfortable topics. Uh, whether you're talking about controversial things in, in sports or in life, or uh, even if you, you drifted over into politics a little bit or you know, issues of race or, or whatever it was, he, he was not afraid to talk about those things. Uh, and I can't say the same thing for me on a lot of those topics. Like, I, you know, it, it, it's difficult to talk about some of those tough topics sometimes, but Mark was not afraid of any of that. And I, I would say that's another thing I learned from him is not to be afraid to talk about things that, that aren't easy to talk about. Have you been in contact with, with Frank and, and did you have a conversation with him this week? Um, I, I had a brief tax exchange with Frank uh, right shortly after Mark passed away. Uh, that, that's, that's all I've really talked to him. Uh, I know he was very sad about it too. Um, but yeah, you know, Frank, Frank moved back to Philadelphia a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, we, we had a brief text conversation. Uh, I, I hope, uh, I hope we can have more than that. Uh, maybe w- when there's uh, some sort of memorial or something that, that's coming up, but, um, yeah, I, I talked to a whole bunch of different people. Uh, gosh, David Beauclair actually told me the news because they're, they're actually neighbors w- with Mark and his family. And, uh, they, they found out pretty soon after it happened and, and David got in touch with me pretty much right away. And I know George Plaster's, uh, another, uh, common friend and uh oh, george and i've been friends for years but uh yeah i've, t- I've talked to a lot of people this week and uh, i really d- uh, not to veer off the what we we're talking about but I-, I like to say a big thank you to everyone who's reached out to me and, and had something kind to say and you know kind of wish me well and you know, realizing that it- it's really difficult to lose a friend and and i, I appreciated everybody who either call me or text or email or whatever it was social media uh man that that, that was really uplifting and most appreciated do you think Kevin and because again he started at Channel Five in 1986, and then again you you mentioned you know almost 20 years ago, just dating us all here uh, that you guys started the show, <laughs> yeah, the, the the radio show, and and there's a whole new wave of people working in all these jobs and all these different places at all these different companies, um, but you guys were a part of sort of like the true growth as you've alluded to the professionalism of of national media, 
do you think he had a sense of his of his place in that in all of that like the the the, the location and the amount of space he 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 holds in that like in the history of national media do you think he got a sense of perspective on that uh, Bray, that's a good question. Uh, I hadn't really thought much about that as far as like how he felt about that. I know everybody else looks at him and, and understands what his place was in the media in this town. But you know, for, for him, I, I think he just wanted to do a job that he enjoyed and, and something where you know he felt comfortable and obviously an area of expertise for him. But yeah, he, he put in a lot of great years at Channel 5 and working with Hope and with Brian McKeegan and Bob Cusack. He worked with all those guys over there for years. And uh, Eric Gutsy was there for a while, too. But um, yeah, I, I think he probably understood what his place was. And, you know, whether it was Channel 5 or working with the Predators, you know, he was on their uh, TV coverage for a long time and did a lot of high school games and so forth. But, yeah, he is he is a major part of uh, of the, the sports media landscape and, and it really maybe how it changed, too, over the years. And, you know, going from, you know, moving into a, a big-time professional sports market where, you know, it, things are a little different than than maybe just a, an area just has college sports and and just the way you approach those teams and the way you cover them and you know how critical you are and those sorts of things. You guys, you guys were on from from '04 until a couple of years ago. That's a really long run for any show. Uh, how do you think the show? <laughs> how, how do you think the show changed uh, over the years? What do you think you started out with, and what do you think it kind of became? Um, I, I, Steve, I think the show was probably a little more goofy when we started out. And, <laughs> and, and again, we, it, it took us a little while to sort of find our way and what our roles were. Um, I, I think as it went along, maybe it became a little more mature sports talk show and we, we understood what we were doing a little bit better. And I, one thing we, we really came to understand, and, and a part of this is Brad Willis, who was our program director for a lot of years, you, you learn to do maybe four one-hour shows as opposed to one four-hour show, if that makes any sense, because your, your audience is flipping over so frequently. you got a lot of people who are kind of a captive audience in their cars driving into work, but their span of listening to the show is probably only about 20 or 30 minutes. And so you learn to reset and do maybe the same topics in a different sort of way three or four times over the course of a show, especially if there's one really big story going on, um, that then doing four completely unique hours that are very different. Now you're going to have different guests in different uh, parts of the show, but um, I think, I think that's one thing we learned. Uh, we also learned, I thought, and again, this is an area where Mark really excelled, how to handle big stories, uh, whether it was the death of Steve McNair, you know, the Pat, Pat summit a few years ago, uh, you know, teams making big playoff runs, whether it was, you know, the predators going to the Stanley cup final or the Titans in the playoffs, like, whatever it was, I think we understood better as we went along how to cover those stories and, and how to do it the right way and what guests to book it and, and those sorts of things. I, I think that's an area where we improved as well over the years. And, and, and again, just keeping it light and funny. I mean, we, we, we did some stuff and I, and I really hadn't thought about some of the things that people were talking about and just until just the last couple of days, but you know, we, we figure out a way to, to have that theater of the mind when it comes to radio and, and, and do things that are fun that people can relate to and, and can connect with. Why was he so good at at the big moment? Um, what what is it about his his style, his delivery? What was it about him that made him good at that? Uh, I, I again, Brayden, I think it's just his fearlessness of of covering things that were big and and approaching topics that were tough and difficult sometimes. And again, I, I 
I just think he wasn't really uh, afraid to to mix it up with people. And you know, maybe that's sort of a, a northeastern sensibility. You know, he grew up in Connecticut and, and was up there for many years. And you know, maybe that's something that goes with that. But um, yeah, I think just his fearlessness is really what served him well, and also his depth of knowledge about different topics. I mean, he, he could give you historical perspective on things that happened. If something big happened in Nashville, he could figure out a way to relate it to maybe something that, that set a precedent for that or something that was you know, similar or it happened before that, that people could say, OK, I, that makes sense because he's connecting it with something that has happened in the past. A lot of people uh, that, I, that I've talked to. Uh, talked about uh talked about the, the sort of the the candor of mark's candor talked about you know again that sort of depth of knowledge but also uh talked about he's a genuinely funny guy he, he kind of a in and sometimes uh sometimes kind of a, a like a like a cynics uh uh kind of kind of funniness <laughs> uh is there any is there anything yeah. that you remember from uh, from mark about him just being just whether on air or off air just being a a, a genuinely funny person Oh yeah, he he had some classic one-liners, Steve. I mean, just, just you know, little jabs that he'd take at people, or, or some line that he came up with. And yeah, I think some of that went back to working on TV for a lot of years, where you you have to really write a, a sports cast that, that's tight and funny, and you know has references to things that maybe some people get and some people don't. But I, I think his his knowledge of sports, but also his knowledge of pop culture, served him well in that. And uh, he, he was a very funny guy. He's also not afraid to, to have fun with himself, you know, laugh and, and make jokes at his own expense. Um, we, people had brought up the, the walk off, the, the classic bid we did with Frank, where, you know, Mark had, Mark had been walking and getting into shape a little bit. And he told Frank he'd take him out to the track <laughs> and walk him into the ground. And so we ended up doing this whole show from the, uh, the downtown YMCA. And it was a total disaster for Mark. And Frank's up there running laps and Mark had hurt his hamstring. And we, we got years of mileage out of that thing. That, that was classic. And, but Mark, Mark took it all in stride. And, you know, and, and, and again, he wasn't afraid to laugh at himself. And those the, the the Gallagher interview is another one that that stands out in my mind as, as just a classic moment in the history of that show where the comedian Gallagher and I don't know how many people remember him he was more popular in the early eighties than he was uh, when he came around to be on our show but you know the the thing you think about with Gallagher is he takes a giant sledgehammer and smashes watermelons and apparently he did not like to talk about taking a giant sledgehammer and smashing watermelons but that was Mark's first question because that's the obvious question you ask the Gallagher and so man he. Gallagher just went just off the rails after that. And it, it turned into be just a, a hilarious piece of radio. But yeah, we, we had a lot of comedians in over the years and Mark was great. Mark loved comedians. So he was great at mixing it up with uh, whoever it might be that came through and really had some pretty big names, but yeah, he, he, he was a funny dude. There's no question about it. And again, I think some of that comes from writing those sports cast over the years and coming up with clever lines. And he was able to, to think of and deliver those lines uh, pretty easily on, on the radio show. Do you ever do, do do you know uh, this is complete sideline here? Did do you know which Gallagher you got? Because there was a controversy because there were two Gallagher brothers that were both doing the shtick. <laughs> right. Do do you know did oh, you get A Gallagher guy, or, sure. or B what? Gallagher? <laughs> I, I thought we got the Gallagher. I, I uh, isn't it Leo? Isn't that the guy's name? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was a real guy. I sure looked like him. I knew there was a controversy over him and, and his brother, and I think there's lawsuits and everything else that, that went along with that. But man, this guy was—he he was out there. 
And uh, he, he tried the, the funny part about that was he came back the next day and tried to get us fired. He like went to management and, uh, and, and tried to get us taken off the show. <laughs> it's like, aren't you it's in like town for just that. like two or three days? Don't you have something better to do with your oh, time? Man. You know, and, and he wore the same clothes. Like every time you saw him, he had on this like white outfit with a jacket and, you know, and a hat because we had seen him at like a Predators game or something, too. And he was wearing the same clothes like, man, this dude, this dude is bizarre. But then, yeah, <laughs> to me, the funniest part is that he came back the next day and tried to get us fired. And, and nice. uh, I think management just told him to take a hike. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville media and business, and it is, in fact, brought to you by Nashville. Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner. By whom? It's brought to you by Jaspers and uh, my Beagle Rudder, who apparently uh, is going to talk throughout this entire thing. Listen, dogs are welcome on the Jaspers patio. It is a dog-friendly patio. You want to know why? Because Jaspers is a dog. It's a restaurant. It's the next evolution of a sports bar, but it is but fact- named for a dog. Named after a Jack Russell Terrier, who is in fact standing on the bar when you go in there to have a cocktail or a meal or a good time with your friends or family, have a libation. The little dog standing up there is named Jasper. Now, I believe, Steve, I don't have any sourcing on this, but I believe that's not actually Jasper's the dog. I think it's a. It I can is confirm a, that is not actually Jasper's yeah. the dog. That's the next evolution of Jasper's the dog. Yeah, I believe it's a replica of Jasper's the dog, not an actual. Sure. So that's 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 good. That's good. Um, but it is, for, you know, Rudder, if he wants to go with you and sit on the patio and have no, a good time. No, nobody wants that. Is nobody, that is, Rudder's no, the older. I, I don't want that. Most importantly, the people around me do not want that. So Rudder's a Rudder's a mouthy, mouthy dinner guest. He's the he's the older one, right? Who's just. No, he's the younger one. Oh, he's the younger one. OK, he's, well, a, I mean, he's a real he's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> He won't, why. he won't he would, shut the hell up. I don't know why you won't. I'm looking at say. you. Shut up. <laughs> I don't know why you're saying that right now of all times. Yeah. Um, you're the one who picked beagles. Like, you know, they're they're very talkative, you know? They are very talkative. He was asleep. He was asleep not three minutes ago. Yeah, well. Yeah. It's a dog. Anyway, what are you, you going to do? Go to Jasper's, uh, the next evolution of the sports bar. Of course. Might see a dog on the patio. It is a always dog a good fr- thing. It is a dog-friendly patio. It is a child-friendly restaurant, even though I feel very similarly to taking my children to places the way you feel about taking your beagle to places. Sometimes I, my wife and I just go, do we want to ruin people's time tonight? Sure. We're going out to Jasper's <laughs> <laughs> and we go out and then we just have to swat their hands like routinely and make sure they're quieting down and sitting down and behaving themselves and stop throwing your sister across the table. Do you take, do you take entertainment for them? We still do. Technically it depends on, like Jasper's is so good that we don't have to. Thank you for the setup here, Steve. Like they've got the the game room and the shuffleboard, which my five year old is very good at. My four year old already knows not to put a beer on the hockey table, the air hockey table that's there, and free and amazing skee ball, papa shot. All these are great, Steve. That's I'm good, gonna, but that might going. not be the that might be not be the problem with the five year old and the beer and the. Hockey oh, that's table. a good point. That's a valid argument. <laughs> she knows not saying. to put. She knows not to put mom's beer. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'll throw her under the bus. Why? Why? Why is mom <laughs> handing her the beer? <laughs> Listen, we're just—it's just getting her used to it, you know, the hand motion and everything. So, uh, anyway, go go to Jasper's. It's a great place for kids. Now, if we were to take them someplace else that was more stuffy and more stuff, like you know, like not as fun and as laid back and as approachable as Jasper's, then yes, we might bring entertainment because then we'd be fearful for 
for other people. But why would we ever go to one of those places? We would just go to Jasper's instead. So right, because the that. parking is free. The food is fantastic. Game room, in spite of its uh, rather draconian air air hockey rules, is uh, uh-huh. is a pretty great place. And uh, you know, I don't know what more that can you you would want from the next evolution of the sports bar. A- authoritarian air hockey table. <laughs> at Jasper's, <laughs> how dare they suggest that you cannot trap the puck or put your beer on the table? Especially if you're a four year old, definitely don't put your beer on the table if you're a four year old. So go to Jasper's, everybody. We love them. They love you. The food's great. Go check them out. Go to Jasper's. Uh, outside of that that particular occasion, were, were there any things that would happen that you could like see bothering him that just like got under like outside of the collar stuff we kind of already talked about, but like we all have these weird idiosyncrasies as radio <laughs> as radio hosts. Like what what is the thing that would happen on the show either with you or with a guest? You know, if you've got some specifics, please by all means. But I'm just curious if there's a thing that just you could just tell he was about he was driving him nuts. <laughs> uh I think when the Red Sox won the World Series about three or four times, I think that got under his skin pretty bad. He hated the Red Sox, especially that series. You know, in 2004, they they became the first team to ever come back from from 3-0 to win a playoff series, and so it happened against the Yankees of all teams, and uh, that that didn't go down very well. So, of course, that became a you know a running topic that I, I wasn't afraid to to bring up as as often as possible. Uh, yeah, any it, it, it mostly he, he loved the Yankees more than than anything. And so any little dig I could take at the Yankees or anybody else could was always fun. Um, I, I don't know. I, th- I think there were just a lot of little running jokes over the years. And, you know, if it was Frank or somebody else w- would say something that he, that he just thought was ridiculous. He, ah, come on, Frank. Ah, come on. You know, it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. He, he would. Uh, he, he could get pretty bent at those guys pretty fast. But again, it, most of that stuff wasn't fun. Like it. He usually didn't really get he he didn't really take it with him like it wasn't he, it was almost like pro wrestling mad versus versus yeah. really being yeah. being upset about something there there wasn't a lot of times where he was like really genuinely mad because he understood that that in the end we're just doing a sports talk show and and, it, and it's yeah. over when the show's over. What what is so? How did he like? I find it interesting that the thing that like drove him the most nuts was like obviously the the Red Sox and. For obvious reasons, we all we all understand why. But I <laughs> I find it difficult, and I don't know how you feel. And and Steve, you can chime in on this too. Like it, it being in this business removes the joy that you have when you're like an 11 year old watching your favorite team in in any sport. <clears throat> it's sort of how it is. It sounds like he never really lost that sort of like childlike love and and appreciation for the thing that that mattered the most to him. It is do you have like how is Please tell me how someone can do that in this business. Yeah, I, I think for Mark, it kind of depended on what it was. Um, you know, he he grew up in Connecticut, so he liked a combination of the New York and Boston teams. He liked the Yankees and the Giants, but then he liked the Celtics and the Bruins. And that that was another source of, uh, of fun for us. It's like, come on, dude, pick a town. <laughs> you know, but, you know he, he hated the Red Sox and he hated the Jets and the Mets. He couldn't stand those teams uh, or, you know, the Knicks. Uh, but yeah, I, I think for Mark, especially with the Yankees, it, it didn't really matter because Na- you know Nashville didn't have a major league baseball team, so that that part where it wasn't really that difficult for him. Yeah, you know, I, I think with the Titans being in Nashville and not really being a rival of the Giants, he could still sort of pull for the Giants, and, and it didn't really matter. 
Um, I, I don't know about for the other sports. I, I don't, I don't know that any of that was a big issue for him because like the Bruins and Predators weren't, weren't really rivals or anything like that either. And you know, I, I think over time he'd be, and you don't really become a fan of the Titans or Predators covering the teams. And so he, he was, I don't know that he was really a fan. Like he wanted them to do well because it's more, it's good for business, but um, he, he never, more than anything, he never lost his fandom for, for the New York Yankees. Uh, and, and again, it, that, that wasn't really that hard to do because there, there's not really a major league baseball team in Nashville that he would be covering or, or around on a daily basis to really make a difference there. I, I, I get what you're saying though, Brad, you know, because you, you, you do look at these things differently if you do this stuff for a long time. And it, it does take away a little bit of that joy that you have from when you're a kid. For me, it's, it's the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like the Reds like Mark was about the Yankees. Uh, they've been my favorite team for over 40 years. Uh, but you, you do look at this stuff differently when you work around it as opposed to uh, you know, what you might is if you're sitting up in the stands. Uh, tough question here for you. Uh, the uh, last couple of years, Mark had had some health problems, and I know that uh, I know that some some folks and some, some friends of mine had had you know tried to try to encourage him to get in a little bit better shape and so forth. Um, I, I, I'm always I, I always kind of wonder in situations like this if if you ever have sort of a if you ever have sort of a like I wish I'd kind of encouraged him to you know take a little bit better care of himself or you know you know some of its selfishness you want your friend there so you sure so right. so kind of get that aspect of it do you ever do you ever wonder about do you ever wonder about some of that with mark yeah i, I felt a little bit of that steve uh, I, I did feel a little guilty that maybe i should have maybe i should have gotten on his case or something like that but i, I guess i always figured that enough people were we're giving him a hard time about his health and about his weight or, or whatever it was that he didn't need me getting after him as well. If he called me on the phone, just to have a pleasant conversation. Um, I, yeah, there's a little, I do have a little bit of guilt about that. It's like maybe I should have checked in on him a little more or been on his case a little more about being fit. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, it was really tough to hear the other day. And, you know, unfortunately I, I knew, what his health situation was and had been for, for quite a while. And I, I don't think that the pandemic and, and being at home all that time really uh, helped anything as far as Mark's uh, physical shape, because it, you know, we all know it got easy to, to be at home and do shows from home and not get out and go anywhere for a long time. And, and you couldn't for, for a number of months. And then the show ended. And I, I, I think that was really difficult for him to, to not have that purpose and have something to do every day. And yeah, I, to answer your question, though, I do feel a, a bit of guilt that, that maybe I could have done something that could have helped him. And yeah, you just you don't want to lose your friend. And I, I think anytime you, you lose somebody that's close to you, especially if it's you know a, a situation where they're not a very old person relatively, and uh, maybe maybe some sort of circumstances you might could have helped. I think there's always that feeling. Did Did you have a it, it, like when you think about your last few communications and conversations with them? Do you, Do you have moments in there where you find just like all the pure joy of doing a great radio segment or, or like, is there anything like that in those last few conversations? Yeah, there always is. Uh, we, like I say, we'd talk to each other. He'd, he'd call me a pretty regular basis or we'd text or whatever. And, um, yeah, we, it felt like old times a lot of the times because we talk about the same sort of stuff we talk about if we're doing the show. We're talking about baseball or the, what's going on with the Preds or Titans or, or what what's happening was, you know, some of the things I do. And, uh, yeah, the, 
the uh, the last couple conversations were mostly about the Yankees and the season they were having and how terrible the Reds were. But that, that's the stuff <laughs> we'd be talking about if we're doing the show. I, I got to say, I had it in my head. And, and again, I just thought about this recently. Like, how fun would it be to get the band back together and, and, and either just do a reunion show or do a podcast or something with, with Mark and Frank? And um, I, I had actually thought about that just in recent weeks. And, and then it was funny on Sunday morning, uh, I found out Sunday afternoon about one o'clock that he, that he passed away. But Sunday morning, I just thought of something funny. I was like, man, I got to text Mark about this. And, and then it, it was weird. Just a couple hours later, uh, David called me and, and told me what had happened. And even even watching a couple Yankees games this week on TV, I found myself wanting to, to text him or, or call him and, and uh, tease him about the Mets beating the Yankees or sweeping them. And, it's like that would have been a, f- a fun conversation to have. Maybe not for him, but for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I it very much our conversations were very much like the radio show was. It was all that same kind of stuff. Um, it seems like a lot of younger people in the media in this town almost all sort of have like that one experience with him where you know they they you know they he helped him with a little bit of this on TV or he helped you with a little bit of that on writing or he helped you with a little bit of this on radio. And, you know, like I've, I've had lots of conversations with him, not a lot, but he was always very kind to me. And um, yep. it, it, it feels like that he has this, you know, sort of stern on air, no nonsense, sort of doesn't suffer fools well on the air personality. But yeah. it also feels like there's this whole other th- side of him that is still obsessed with sports that just clearly is a passionate fan of of of, of athletic competition in sports, but also of media and helping young people try to accomplish their own, you know, their own goals. Yeah, Braden, uh, he, he certainly encouraged me and, and, and lifted me up as far as my own career, as much as maybe anybody. Uh, th- there were, weren't many people that, you know, told me I did a good job or, you know, try to keep me pointed in, in a good direction like he did. And I can think back even before we did the show together, uh, go all the way back to 2002, which is crazy, it's been 20 years ago. Uh, I filled in for Joe Fisher on a, on a Vanderbilt, Kentucky football game. And uh, I mean, this is one of those things that kind of last minute and stuck in there. You just kind of do the best you can. And um, I, Mark came up to me at a, I think it was at a Titans game or something not, not long after that and told me what a good job I did and, you know, that, that he was really happy for me to get that opportunity. And at that time, I didn't really, I knew Mark, but I didn't really know him all that well. But I, I really appreciated that. That meant a lot to me because Mark was a, I mean, he was a, a major figure in, in Nashville sports media and for him to come up to me and you know, I'd been around Nashville a few years at that point, but uh, to, to hear that from him really meant something. And, and, and that didn't change over all the years that we, we were friends or worked together. He was always as, as encouraging as anyone about what I was doing and, you know, telling me the, Hey man, you need to just, just stay at it and, and, and keep going forward and, and big things are going to happen. And, and he was that way with a lot of people uh, you'll, you'll find, and, and as you said, he, You'll find a lot of people these kind of gave that little compliment here and there, or you know, gave somebody a you know a kind word about what they were doing, and yeah, you know, for whatever people thought he was on the air and, and the way he might be with with callers or you know some argument we were having off the air, man, the, the guy just had a heart of gold. He he would he he would encourage you or or try to help you if he could, if you know if he could make a phone call or whatever, he was more than happy to do it. But yeah, that that part of it was was really something uh, to see how he lifted people up that were trying to have their own broadcasting careers. You talk about sort of pushing forward and staying focused and kind of put put in the right direction. Like, how hard was it when you know when you guys sign off and you, you guys the show's done and you know what? How did he handle that? How did he take that? How did you take that? 
as far as the the end of the show for good or just after a regular day no no the when when the show did end because you talked about you know keeping you focused and and keeping you pointed in the right direction and how he's he has done that for so many people I, i just am now thinking he probably went through that himself trying to tell himself all that stuff. Probably. I mean, right. as, as I say this again, as someone who's also been, you know, lost his own morning show. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think it was really hard for him. Uh, yeah, and, you know, everybody has a little bit of an ego and, and it's hard to take and you try to figure out pretty quickly what's next, but uh, trying to find that next job is sometimes really difficult and, and, and certainly proved to be, you know, for, for us, maybe thinking about doing another show together. Yeah, I think that was hard for him. And I, I know he had a lot of people encourage him or, or still support him, even you know, maybe a, a sponsor or two that you know, were willing to step up if he was doing something different and you know help him out you know, just through a lot of years of loyalty and, and having those connections. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there I think there are a lot of people that have been encouraged him and you got to return that favor uh, when. You know, two years ago, it's all been almost two years ago uh, on August 10th when uh, when everything went down. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a weird weird world we we live in. What what is the thing you want people to know about Mark Howard? What what is the one thing you think people should take away that 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 don't know him that didn't work with him for fifteen years that that yeah. aren't in the media that aren't in the media? What what do you, what's the one thing? Um, I I think Braden they just had a big heart. I mean, he was just a kind guy. Through whatever you think about him on the air. He, he was really he really cared about his family and friends. I, I would say that more than anything uh, to go with an encyclopedic sports knowledge and, and a fearlessness on the air to, to tackle difficult topics or or to cover big stories. He, he lived for those moments. But I, I think just his kindness and, and, and care for you know his son, Jack and, and, and Rocco and Deborah and everybody else in his family and and really his friends. I mean, he, he really cared about his friends and would make sure and check on them on a regular basis. And you know, for me personally, he showed up at like all these big moments in my life, whether I was getting married or my dad passed away. I mean, I'm, I'm an hour and a half up the road in Kentucky and I turn around, there's Mark at the funeral. Um, you know, that, that just said a lot about, you know, it, it really made me feel like, and not that I didn't know it already, but it made me feel like he really cared about me as a friend. And um, I, I think, I think anybody who knew him would probably have some sort of similar story about Mark Howard. Kevin, we will um, have you back on and we'll talk about all the stuff that you've been doing with, with Vanderbilt and, and, and all that stuff. But uh, thank you, honestly, for, for giving us some time to talk about Mark. Uh, I think you're the right the right voice to do it. And, and so we we appreciate you giving us some time to to carve out here and, and, and let us have a conversation about him. We, we really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey guys, I really appreciate it, Braden, Steve, and um, I, I apologize for my uh, my studio here. We're actually on a road trip with my family, so <laughs> I, I'm in a Target parking lot in Kentucky. So uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully next time I'll have a little bit better internet connection. But it was really a pleasure to talk with you guys. I enjoy your podcast. I, I check it out from time to time, and I appreciated the kind words uh, about me a few weeks ago when you were talking about play by play announcers. I appreciated that a lot, but uh, you guys uh, just keep on doing great work and, and thanks for having me on. That was Kevin Ingram, uh, now of Learfield and Vanderbilt uh, Sports, of course, play-by-play guy. And, you know, they, uh, you know, I, I know we got into it at the end there about the show, but it, you know, Wake Up Zone ending and what he had to go through. And it's just, it's interesting, Steve, for me, hearing so many people say so many things as young reporters, writers, TV people, broadcasters, where Mark taught me this one little thing, or he helped me with, help me with this one little thing, or, you know, it was a quick conversation, but he taught me this. And, 
Um, I can imagine him going through that experience of losing the show and, you know, having a lot of that same advice for himself is probably hard, but uh, you know, he, he, he affected a lot of people, man. He did. There were, there were a bunch of, so one of the things about the wake up zone was that they leaned a lot on print reporters, uh, for various, for various things. People would come in with regular kind of like regular appearances. Uh, uh, Paul Kaharski was one of them. I mean, Kaharski ended up, uh, you know, that kind of jump started his radio career. Uh, or, or help launch his radio career, and there's a really good, uh, there's a really good kind of remembrance piece and talking about just this this thing over at paulkaharski.com, uh, and it, I think it's I'm pretty sure it's not behind the paywall, uh, but just a just a really lovely piece uh, from Paul and kind of uh, just detailing you know getting you know getting the start uh, on radio over there, and uh, you know that of course. That led to you know friendships with with Chad and uh, and Jonathan that they ended up you know being their own show on that uh, on that radio station. Uh, but I would highly recommend it. Go go check out go check out Paul's piece. Uh, it's just it's just a really it's just a really good tribute. I, I honestly don't think that most people I would say under the age of I don't know anybody coming up into the business right now just probably doesn't grasp the 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 scope and size of his sort of, I don't know what the right word is, just reach maybe is the right word um, into the market to be here in 1986 and to go through TV on what has largely been the number one channel, right? Um, For most of the time. Yeah. They were, Um, they were duking it out with four at that time. And then they became sort of the, they became the number one at that time. But I mean, you have to remember like there's a sports report at that, you know, in the, in the mid eighties was, there was there was an incredible amount of preps uh, that that yeah. they that they would do on those on those shows, and of course, you know, um, I mean, UT football, Vandy football were both big as well. Vandy basketball, very big, uh, but but those were the those were the 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 linchpins. It wasn't until you know it's not going to be for like another decade before the NFL comes to town, and uh, the, the, there were just it was just a it was just a very Dramatic. It was a dramatically different kind of kind of broadcast. Right. It was super super local, um, and you know, you had a bunch of you had a bunch of really good people sort of in market, kind of kind of kind of working on that. You had he and Hope on on five. You had Joe Fit. You had, you had Charlie McAlexander and then Joe Fisher uh, on on Channel Four. Uh, you're just really good local, like hyper local kinds uh, kinds of guys that could, they could go deep into the market and and you know. Mark, you kind of layer on top of that, like you said. I mean, I think we've mentioned a couple of times here, like kind of his baseball knowledge and 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 a few other things. Uh, it made him it made him really valuable as a radio host because he could because he could go in a lot of different yep. directions. I, I will say just things that I have learned throughout my career, not from Mark personally, but things that I've learned throughout my career. I think Kevin explained beautifully about being fearless with big topics is something that I, I think is really admirable from, from, from a broadcast standpoint. I, I think, you know, when the exhilaration is there and the, you know, adrenaline is, is pumping, how well can you still do it? Like that is a, a, a relief. You know, I find a lot of joy in those moments. It doesn't happen often for me personally, but I, I, I get that fearlessness. And then I think being direct with questions, I think is one of the best things you can ever learn as a broadcaster early is just ask the question quickly and succinctly open-ended. Um, I think Mark had that, had that wit from the TV. Do you think, 
I, I don't, I'm going to use the phrase column inches here, which some people are not going to understand. Um, do, do you, do you think there's anybody in Nashville sports media history that's had more column inches for lack of a better term than, than Mark Howard in our, in our, in our market? Uh, that's just done the, like, you know, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, you'd have like to say more, some, like more content who has done more content in Nashville sports than Mark Howard. I mean, I, you would have to you would have to like in sort of like the recent sort of last like 40 or so years uh you know maybe climber um but there was there was a cap on that and then you know when he retired you know he he, he right. didn't he kind of stopped making and climber didn't have a ton of sort of like other appearances either I mean, he, he would occasionally do uh, somebody but, else's but radio. The biggest morning show for 15 years right. to be, you know, for about the same amount of time on a, on a TV channel that was duking it out for number one and then number one for a while. Like, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, you start to, 86 is almost 40 years. <laughs> like, right. it's an incredible run. And, um, I, I you know, I, I re- frankly, I regret that we somehow have not had him on this show. Like I, I, I absolutely re- regret that. And I blame uh, you, Braden. That, and that is totally fine. Most people do for everything else. And uh, in this situation, you can do that as well. So really, honestly, thank you to Kevin for, for giving us some time. Um, I know he's, he's had an, an interesting week. I will say also, I think one Oh four five, it wasn't necessarily like a perfect ending. It never is. As you hear, if you hear Kevin say like August 10th, he knows the exact date. Mine was February 10th. There's not a, there's a reason that we all know those exact dates. Um, but like for them to spend as much time as they did paying tribute to him, I thought was a classy move by one Oh four five and, and, and it was well done. So if you want to go back and listen to a lot of that stuff, I recommend that as well. So thank you to Kevin for, for hanging out with us. Thanks to Jaspers for sponsoring the show. We do appreciate it. Uh, if you want uh, good information and, and news, go to the Nashvillebanner.com and sign up. And uh, you guys will shoot some news over to the inbox. Steve, where can people find you? They can find me uh, on Twitter or Instagram at Scavendish, S-C-A-V-E-N-D-I-S-H. Thought I would spell it out for you. Don't know why. Yeah, that's fine. It's okay, man. It's all good, man. Uh, thank you guys all for hanging out. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall at 440 Sports. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been Lane Stream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>